And so I'm going to get to throw the questions tonight to our ladies. And um, as we said before, in our women's conference this past September, this was the one thing that our ladies said, let's do this again. This is good because there's great wisdom here. And we do want some of our single women here on Mother's Day because it's about women and not all women are mothers. We're all in different seasons of life. And so we wanted to have a couple of girls who had not gone to that stage of marriage and children yet. So the first question I have is work-life balance. What's your balance between full-time work, home life, and church involvement? And let's give that to Jen. Well, I don't quite have it all figured out yet, but um, I'm very busy. Uh, a lot of you don't know that I do work a full-time job. Um, I do ultrasound and then full-time ministry, full-time mom, full-time wife. So um, it gets really hard sometimes. I would say that in our life, we have to set boundaries. Um, we have to be very organized. Mark and I decided several years back, uh, I was a youth pastor and Anybody here who has ever worked in youth ministry knows that your home becomes an open door policy and people are always wanting to come and be there and you're wanting to share love with them. But my first ministry is also to my home. And so we set some very early boundaries and we have no days. Um, Mondays and Tuesdays are our no days. We don't make plans with anything other than family. These are our days that are us and us only. We spend time together. We do things that is gonna help our children, that's gonna help our marriage. Um, and we don't, we don't waver on that. Um, and then with work, you know, in church, it's, this is, this is a priority to us and ministry is a priority to us. So we just, we set our boundaries. Um, we, I have to go to work in the morning. I have to get the kids up, get them home from school, get them ready for bed. But being able to take that time is very important with the Lord. Um, it may tie into the next question. Um, I find my best time is I have a two hour lunch break and I spend that time with the Lord. I read my Bible, I study that time, um, and it's not interrupted. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely hard, but I think that you have to set boundaries. We have a family calendar that we both share so that we both know what's going on in our life. Um, and you just have to make sure that you stick to those boundaries for your kids' sake and your family's sake. Very good. Yes. This is a marriage question. When there's frustration between you and your husband, what's the best to navigate through disagreeing without disrespecting them? For example, when disagreeing about the kids, jobs, etc. Patrice, when you have nine children, yes. That's a lot of disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> um, just listen to one another. I'm sorry. Um, listen to one another. Um, go to the Word. Um, just talking it out. As far as children, just go to the Word of God. That's the best thing you can do. Line everything up with the Word of God. And you cannot go wrong. Um, and do it in love. Everything in love. You, you can have, like you said, agree. That's one of the things we use in our home, agree to disagree. Right. <laughs> but everything, you do it in love. And when you come to agreement, 
it, everything would turn out. So pretty good. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Amen. All right. So I'm going to go to, um, this is a family question. So Juliana, I want to give this one to you. It says, what's the best advice you give your children, which for you, you are mm -hmm. a young person, about their unsaved friends in their circle? Well, with my parents, with unsaved friends, we were cautious, but you have to be a light to the lost, obviously. So you want to show love, and but be very, very careful because you don't want another kid to influence your child. And I had those times, but luckily I wasn't very easily influenced. <laughs> but there are kids that are easily influenced. But they just always said to be wise and make good decisions and talk it over with the parents. And that's one of the best things for me. I had a great relationship with my mom and dad. So I was able to communicate with them and I think that's the best thing to do even for teenagers because it's really hard to communicate with teenagers. I know I'm a teenager. I can be very stubborn. <laughs> but I try not to be. But definitely communication works best and if you come at it in the right approach and for all the teenagers in here, go respectfully to your parents. <laughs> but I think that's as good as I can put it for that. I think that's a really good answer. Um, strong-willed children are not a bad thing. Um, having strong-willed children means that when they're channeled in the right direction, you're not going to move them off their path. So it's how you channel strong-willed. So never be afraid when you have a strong-willed child. You just make sure that the Lord and you Push that child in the right direction. This question is for Mom Wiggins. Yes. All right. <laughs> How have your notions of what it means? <laughs> I'm going to read the question to you all, and I'm going to let her read it, okay? Okay, how have your notions? I'm sorry. <laughs> Mom, would you read the question? How have your notions of what it means to be a spiritual woman changed over your lifetime? I don't think they've changed. I think you have to be a spiritual woman. God put it in the Bible, what he expects of you, and he hasn't changed it. It's still the same. That's good. That's good. You want more? Oh, you have more. We're waiting. We, we love to hear from you, Mom. Well, I can't hear very good. And you know when you have a short-term memory, you don't remember too good either. 
But anyway, I, I just think a spiritual woman is not ours to judge so much as it is God. And you've got to obey God to be a spiritual woman. It's not what other people think of you or how you can put on a front, but it's how you line up with God's word and God himself. And that's what makes you a spiritual woman. All right, this is Gabby. When and where do you plan out alone time with Jesus in the midst of a crazy week? Ooh, so I love going to coffee shops. This is like my thing. Um, I love to just sit and drink coffee, of course, but also um, just journaling. That's like something I really enjoy doing, um, letting all my thoughts out, concerns, emotions, whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm thinking, just journaling it all out. Um, sitting alone in a coffee shop with headphones in. I also love going to like random parks and just like sitting out by the water and going to the beach, sitting out by the water and, um, and just praying and just letting the Holy Spirit speak to me um, through nature. I know that sounds kind of weird, but in nature, I think we can see God, um, see the mysteries of him. Um, and just getting alone with God is so, so important. Um, I have a really busy week, most of the week, or most of my weeks are very busy, and um, if I don't make it a priority to have that quiet alone time, I just am crazy. Like, it's so, so, so important having that alone time with God. Amen. Amen. Good answer. Jen, how often should you go on a date with your hubby or go away, just the two of you, or should you always take the kids with you? That's a wonderful question, Miss Kim. <laughs> Everyone look at my husband as he laughs at me right now. <laughs> um, this has been, and I'm going to be honest, a struggle in our house because my husband is a fireman also. Um, so he works 24 on, 48 off. Um, we have two kids and have families that are very busy. So we have not gotten to go on dates very often, and we should. So um, I think it's very important. And um, when we don't spend time alone with each other, it weighs on us and we, we notice that and we notice that it causes frustrations and friction. So then it's harder to be loving when you respond in disagreements. Um, so I think it's very important that you do that. I think it's important for you to take your children to places and things with you so that they can see how you're supposed to be treated and show love. But I do think it's important, Mark and I, um, we have decided that we have dates on um, Thursdays when I'm off work and he's off work. The kids are at school. So our favorite thing to do is to go to breakfast together. Um, so we go and we have breakfast and there's no one there and we just laugh and catch up and have a good time. Um, but we need to be better at it. And that's my fault. So I think it's very important. Patrice, how do you parent unsafe children who live at home of any age? Well, we're not dealing with that problem. But um, you draw them in. First, you tell them we're going to live for the Lord. Yes. And as far as being in this house, you're going to live for the Lord. As we brought our children up saying, telling them that you will work, go to school, go to church. <laughs> 
that's the only thing you'll do. You'll serve the Lord because no matter where you go in this life, you're going to need the Lord, whether you're at home, off to college. And you got to tell them, you're going to get account for yourself. Dad is not going to be there. Mom not going to be there. But it's your choice. At the end of the day, you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can't say you'll have plenty of opportunity to hear the word. That's for anyone out here. You cannot say you have not heard um, the word because God would give us multiple times to hear him calling us. And we always told our children that you would serve the Lord, serve him with all your heart. That's all I have to say. Just serve him with all your heart and believe in him. Amen. Would anyone else like to add to that? Jen, your uh, young adults pastor. <clears throat> you asked how to deal with um, unsaved, unsaved children, in children in a home. Um, I think that it's very important. Um, I grew up in a home where um, my brother strayed a little bit away and watching the way that my parents did it. Um, I fall back again on boundaries and giving him boundaries and times that he had to be home and rules that he had to follow and laying out very directly and very clearly that if you do not follow these rules that this is the consequences of what are gonna happen to you. Um, I think that they handled a lot of those situations well with him and he knew that when he didn't abide by that, that there were gonna be consequences to it. And my parents were very firm in that and they stood very strongly on that on that foundation. My, my dad was the youth leader, my mom was a youth leader and, and we were taught the word and we were taught that. And so that was one thing that I watched growing up. Um, and in my home, I, my children at this point both love the Lord and serve the Lord. But I would say to having been a youth pastor and seen a lot of people walk away from the path that God called them to, um, I think the best thing that we can do and, and ministering and talking to parents would be um, to love them unconditionally, yes. um, show them unconditional love the way that Jesus shows us unconditional love, um, show them grace. I think that they will come home to grace. I think they will come home to love. You know, loving kindness will draw them to repentance. And um, when we wanna beat it out of them sometimes, that's not gonna work with them. We can discipline them. But if they know the grace of God and they know the unconditional love of God, then, then they will come to us and they will speak to us in situations and ask us things. And I think that to me, that's been what I've talked to parents about is, is to show them grace in situations yes. and, and love them unconditionally. And the other thing that I say, when you're in your home, speak over your home what you expect in your home. When you pray in your home, pray what you expect to see in your home. That, you know, God, I call to this home a child that loves you and serves you and fears you. God, I speak in this house a child of obedience, not a child of rebellion. You know, and I think that that's just important when dealing with that is speaking. That's one thing you've always taught me is you speak life and death over things and there's power in your tongue and, and you speak forth what you want in that home. But I think the greatest example is to follow the way that Jesus showed people. And also, I would Amen. like to um, add, have devotion time with your children. In our home, we have devotion time every night. And I think of the word, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he should not depart. If you keep on speaking that word to that child, you're training that child to hear that word. 
You train in their ear. You train everything, their mind, their hearts. Yeah. Train up a child. And then on the flip side, if you don't train, if you put other things before God, do you train that God, I mean, train that child, oh, God is not important. So it's another side, a flip side to that. Where are you training your child in? You train them in the word, keep on speaking that word over them, have devotion time. They need to hear from your parents, mom and dad, single parent, whatever. Yes, they can hear from the pastor, but it's our job as parents, as mother to speak over our children. Yes. So. I would also like to pin on that uh, with, with what Miss Jennifer was saying. Um, she said, loving your children unconditionally. My sister strayed away and she was raised in church. She went to every youth camp, she went to all things and she strayed away. And she went through a big battle with my mom, but my mom loved her unconditionally and she prayed over her and she declared that she was gonna be saved one day and she did become saved again. Amen, amen. So it does work. I think it's important to remember also that we can't force God's love on anyone. Um, if that was the case, God wouldn't have given us free will. If he wanted us to just love him as robots, he would have just made us robots. And I think it can be frustrating when you have unsaved people in your life because you know like their potential and you know, oh, they could just be so close to God and everything in their life would be so much better. And, and I think we have that heart for people, but we also have to remember that we can't get discouraged in that. We have to know that we can't force it on someone. They have to choose that. They have to choose that, so take that pressure off yourself too. That you're, you're never gonna be able to force someone to choose God. That's only the Holy Spirit's job. And I want to say, never, never, never give up. Never give up. You pray for that child. If they don't get saved before you go to your grave, you pray for your, that child and your prayers will continue, and you expect an answer. The Bible says, declare a thing, and it shall come to pass. It says, my children shall serve God, and they shall declare the glories of God. Remember, the Word of God is living, it is active, and it is powerful. So you speak and declare the word of God. You see that child as saved. They are saved. You see that and you speak that. Amen. This is a good one for mom. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you read it. And I'll... It's, Number five on spiritual life balance. I see it. Okay, what advice would you give to moms who want to instill traditional godly values in their home when cultural influence is strong and traditional values are almost obsolete? Like you say, you give them the word. What advice would I give to moms? Traditional. Traditional. Traditional vice, when they have culture influence strong, um, every situation is different. Every child is different. 
God made every child uh, special and their uh, designer child. They de he designed them. And you have got to figure out how to work with that child. It won't be the same as the next child. You can have 10 child children, you'll have to think of 10 different ways to raise those children. But for traditional values, um, I just would expect it up of my dad. I, I would say, I think the world is wanting to go back to traditional values. They, they were not doing too good with our value system right now. And they, I hear on the television and everywhere, we need to return. We need to return to what we were. And so I, I would just say return to the, the word of God, return to church, return to doing what you're supposed to do, you know. And uh, in order to, I probably haven't answered this thing. <laughs> Cult the values in their homes when culture influences are strong you've got to be the strong one not the child yes. you you've got to you've got to show the values that you have to those children or they won't believe a word you say they they take what you do instead of what you say and so to show them what a traditional life would be and how I would put it into them in the life that we live now you just I think you just have to live it and be strong in the Lord and um, I I just expect them to do what I say <laughs> I, I, you know if Gary didn't do right <laughs> I would probably tell him so <laughs> but I don't know what you could do. The life that we are in right now is so disturbing because it's so far from God. So much of it is far from God and far from what the Bible says. And you just have to keep, like uh, Teresa, what's her name? Teresa. She said, you just need to keep instilling the word into their heart because your words don't mean a whole lot to kids it's what God says that will change. Your words kind of float over their head, but yeah. God's word That's sticks. It sticks there, That's and good. they won't forget it. They won't forget That's it. That's good. That's a good one to me. Okay. Patrice, here's a good one. How do you know when your marriage is ready for you to start having children? <laughs> As he was coming along, I said, Lord, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> it just was a, um, it was just hard to manage with having children. First beginning, like, Lord, I cannot do this. This, when, you know, I was like, I'm not ready. Can it just wait, 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 wait? But um, let me see. What you, how we, Number two on marriage. Okay. Question. Well, you just, <laughs> as the kids came along, you know, you had to balance. Um, it's always, I had a time where my struggle was, 
Um, well, when I was growing up, I didn't have a father figure, so I didn't know what marriage looked like. It was just a single mom with three girls. And when I got married, it just trying to manage children being married, how to um, know when, okay, child, you wait, this is my time and no dad's time. And you have to know how to manage. I can't really explain as far as um, how you know when marriage, when you, your marriage is ready for children, just know when, how to manage like, this is my time and dad's time and the children when they have their time. Cause children come in, it seems like it's like sucking up your, this time, you know, children need a lot of time, but you need to uh, have time with your spouse. That's, that's the unity at first, you know, it's just you and your husband. But to manage, just knowing how to manage that, separate, this is uh, dad's and mom time and put the children time. So just managing, um, just know how to separate those two things and then you, then you come together as a family. I don't know if I answered, but that's the best way I can answer the question. Yes. Because sometimes, because you know, kids will grow up and they will have their family and it's you and your husband and you, if you put all your time in the children, then you lose your focus on your spouse. That's truth. So you gotta have a balance in that, so. That's good. That's, That's the best good. way I can explain it. So. That's a good explanation, Jim. Um, I think that that's, um, I think that's a difficult question because I think every person in every marriage is different. Um, but I think that um, going off of what Ms. Patrice said is um, knowing when you're mature enough in your marriage to handle children because they do add such um, additional stresses and they add things to marriage and life that, that you need to be ready for. Um, I think having been married 15 years and dating 19 years, um, you learn in those years that every year you grow and you mature and you change and you learn something new about each other. Um, I think that a lot of people look at marriage I'm going to be blunt. Is that okay? People see marriage when they walk into it as this perfect firework scenario and they can't wait to get married. Um, and it's going to be this perfect fairy tale. And the truth is it's not, it's going to come with struggles. It's going to come with hardships. It's going to come with things. And then some people want to fix their struggles with children and, um, and, um, your struggles don't get better with children, they get harder. Um, and I say that in love, but um, I think that you have to come to a place where you realize where you're mature enough in your relationship with your spouse to bring a new struggle along. Um, you're never gonna be financially ready enough. You're never going to be strong enough. You're never gonna be any of these things, but um, learning each other and as you grow, who I was one year into marriage was not who I was five years into marriage. Who I was when I got married is not who I am now. And um, so I think that with each marriage and each circumstance and each situation, it's gonna be different. So I think that you really should evaluate your home, yeah. evaluate your home and evaluate your relationship and, and see if it's a good time to add in children, which are love and they are wonderful and they bring joy and they bring happiness, but they do bring struggle. And that's real, you know, and 
I think it's just more work. <laughs> and they bring more work. More, more. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw one to our singles. Hey, Gabby, um, where did that question go? It's like three, off three. my page. How do you handle being single when all your close friends are married with kids? I love this question. Um, I think that question automatically already implies that being married is good and being single is bad. And I think that alone is where our mindset is completely off. Being single is not a bad thing. It's just a different season. Um, and with that, I think that there can be a lot of comparison. Um, so for me, I have to make sure that whoever I'm around, I'm not comparing myself to them because they're a completely different person. God has a completely different plan for their life. They're in a different season um, than what God's doing in my life right now. So if I look at someone and I say, oh, they're married, um, God must love them more, or something crazy like that, it's just not true. Um, so I think being careful to not compare yourself to them, um, and also knowing that your identity is not found in your relationship status. I mean, to be real, it's, it's not. Um, and I think that we can easily rely on that and we can look to the future and get so excited that we grow impatient with where we're at right now. And we can so easily miss what God has for us right now because we want the next thing. We want what they have and we want to compare. And, and so what I would say, if I could say anything, is don't miss what God has for you right now. Very good. Very good. Juliana. What did you learn from your mother that you continue to do and say? Ooh, that's a hard one because <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, let's see. Ooh. Well, definitely one of the biggest things that I learned from my mom was a relationship with God. And I think that that's a big one, not just for the mothers, but also for the dads. But how it was with my mom was we had like this separate room in the house and it was kind of how she managed her time with having a relationship with the Lord whenever things are busy and stressful and she would every morning whenever I would wake up she would be in that room with her prayer journal and her Bible and she had set aside time to where she would be with the Lord and she would not come out until she was done. I don't know how long she was in there, but she was there every single morning. And that's one thing that I'm like, wow, I really want to be like that. I want to, but I want to have my own relationship with the Lord. And I want to be a strong woman of God. And with all the mentors that I have, I mean, Miss Kim and Pastor Jen and so many other mentors in the church, I'm very happy with that, but I mean, my mom taught me lots of things. Uh, trying to think of any others. Uh, always being patient. That's a big one because there's a lot of waiting seasons, and I'm not a patient person. <laughs> I don't like waiting, but whenever we wait in times of struggling or any just season of waiting, that's what makes the difference. That waiting season is, you don't realize how impactful it is, but whenever you get out of the waiting season, you look back and you see that you grew. And that's one thing that I definitely learned. 
Amen. Good. Mom Wickens, number 10 on family questions. What is something you hope your children will say, and I'm going to say grandchildren, will say that they have learned from you? Wow. I haven't thought of that one yet. <laughs> oh, okay. What are something you hope your children will say that they have learned from you? I don't know. <laughs> what I, I hope they'll say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a, a saved person. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I hope they'll, something that your children will say they've learned from you, they, they've learned, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> I want to go to heaven and I live that way each day. And I hope they'll say, I want to raise my family right. And I want, I want them to love God. And uh, I know, I think back at my mother. My mother was a wonderful influence. She, she loved the Lord so much that she bought a trailer, a little one, and she put it in her backyard. And she put all of her books and all of her Bibles. And this was her prayer room. And when she wanted to pray, she would go back there and pray. Once in a while, she would go out in, out in the open where she could just be in God's territory. And uh, she would go out in the field and pray. And I hope my children will know that I, you know, will say they know I love the Lord too. But she would go out there and pray. And so I, she was a good example. And so I tried, I went out there to follow her. You know, kids do follow their mother. Well, I went out there, but it wasn't a good day because the bull got after me and I just barely made it over the fence. <laughs> I just barely made it over. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the devil want me out of there or, the, or maybe the Lord didn't want me to disturb her. <laughs> I just hope my children will know I love the Lord. <laughs> We've learned a sense of humor from mom. <laughs> She makes us laugh. A lot of things happen in 65 years, 70 years. <laughs> okay, this next question I don't have a problem with, but maybe some of these other girls will, and they can answer it for you. Uh, Patrice, as a mom, I have a hard time asking for help with laundry, house chores, but then I feel like I failed if certain things don't get done at the end of the day. So my question would be, why do some moms, women, have a hard time asking for help? Why do we feel like we have to do it all and feel like it all has to turn out perfect? I had that problem. <laughs> everything got to be right, everything needed to be done. But you know, my husband had to teach me that it's okay that it's not done. Now, I had to tell someone, some ladies at church, I, I was telling them, they were talking about laundry. I said, I'd rather have a pile of clean clothes than a pile of dirty clothes. So when I can't get to the, when I can't 
fold the laundry. I would have my clothes. At least I have a pile of clean clothes. <laughs> but it's okay. But you have to teach your children. You have to start them off young to help you to do chores. Because we raising our children, the boys, to be head of their homes. We're not raising them to be children. We're raising them to be adults. So you have the boys. They need to learn how to know how to cut grass, um, wash dishes, do laundry. Because it was three of us, three girls. So we cut grass, take out the um, trash or whatever. But I didn't like to cook. I like I, I still don't really like to cook. I cook because of night <laughs> children. <laughs> I already. I'd rather cut the grass, do yard work, and paint, or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but we must teach our boys. We're teaching them to be the head of their homes. And when you don't give them chores, you're not helping them. And you're teaching the girls to grow up to be a helpmate, to be a helpmate, because one day they're going to get married. Or if they don't get married, they have to be able to take care of their own homes. So. It's okay to say, you do this, do that. Because I had a problem where I let me do everything. Look, y'all moving too slow. Let, let, move out the way. Let me get it done. But we're not helping them when we allow, allow them to do nothing. And the, we, I have this thing, my husband had this thing. Um, if you don't eat, I mean, if you don't work good, you don't eat good. <laughs> so, and that's real life. If you don't work, if you don't teach them how to work, Work starts at home. Exactly. Yes. It starts at home. Everything starts at home. If you see your child moving slow, tell them to move it. Move it. Get to moving. Because in real life, on the job, if they're not moving, they might not have a job. Don't allow your child to move slow. They know how to move fast when they need to move fast. But allow them to say, you have five minutes. Oh, you've been in that bathroom too long. You have five minutes. You put a time, because in the real world, you don't have time, and you cannot be taking your slow time on somebody else's clock, especially they paying you. And, and, and I have this thing, you look at the young people, they expect to um, get paid, you know, work 15 minutes and expect a 40-hour paycheck. That's, that doesn't work. So you teach, it starts at home. And it's okay to ask for help. And that's why I had to grow, at, grow to ask for help. I cannot do everything. And you have to uh, ask for help when you need help, so. It's actually part of your job as a mother to teach your children to work. That is part of your job. It's part of your responsibility to teach your children to work. So you don't have to worry about asking for help. It's not asking for help. That's fulfilling your job as a parent. Very good, Patrice. All right, one more question. <laughs> Gabby, what have been integral Bible verses that you have run to for encouragement? Ooh, there's a lot. Um, my favorite Bible verse is Galatians 6, 9. Um, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. 
I've clung to that verse my whole life because um, I think I have a problem, like kind of like what I, what I was saying a second ago, like I have a problem with having all these dreams and all these things that I want to do that I miss, like I was just saying, I miss a lot of the times the things that God's showing me right now. I can grow impatient really easily. Um, and so I just, I'm constantly reminding myself of that verse at the proper time. In God's time, I will reap a harvest if I don't give up. Um, so having that tenacity to never give up, never losing faith, um, even if it seems like every door is being closed or every opportunity that comes my way is, is leaving, um, learning to never, ever, ever give up and never losing hope in the middle of disappointment or discouragement. Um, so that I would say that would be my number one favorite Bible verse.